How do you get true health, prosperity, and a wonderful life? We'll interview a megachurch pastor who says it's not through positive thinking, but positive living. And we'll continue to discuss the reality of the resurrection. Also, the emergent church claims to be a third way for Christianity. We'll talk with one of the founders. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. On my orders, coalition forces have begun striking selected targets of military importance to undermine Saddam Hussein's ability to wage war. That's President Bush, March 19, 2003. Today is the fifth anniversary of the war in Iraq, and President Bush on that day said... We will win. This will not be a campaign of half measures, and we will accept no outcome but victory. All right, reflecting back on the five years of fighting, President Bush today reminded us of that commitment. Five years ago tonight, I promised the American people that in this struggle ahead, we will accept no outcome but victory. Today, standing before men and women who have helped liberate a nation... I reaffirm the commitment. All right, and President Bush today as well said, we are helping Iraq gain their freedom. The battle in Iraq is noble. It is necessary, and it is just. And with your courage, the battle in Iraq will end in victory. All right, so President Bush, using this five-year anniversary to restate his commitment, where does Obama stand? Where does Hillary Clinton stand? Where does John McCain stand? Later in the program, we'll hear what they had to say today about five years of war in Iraq. Of course, Vice President Cheney and also John McCain over in the Middle East this week. In another subject today, the emergent church is making a splash in certain circles. Now, leaders of this uh, movement claim it's a new kind of Christianity, sort of a third way. And Tony Jones is national coordinator for what's called the Emergent Village. He'll join us later. We'll find out why this movement is out there. And is this a needed change or is it a move to the left? All right, Penna, hundreds of millions of people around the world who have nothing in common. They live all over this world, rich, poor, young and old. They speak uh, Spanish, English, Portuguese, Egyptian. Uh, They speak Chinese, Mandarin, Cantonese. Uh, They're doing something this week because of a man who lived 2,000 years ago. These people are going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
from the dead. Let's talk about the reality of the resurrection. All right, the Apostle Paul said, This is the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and three days later he was risen from the dead, and he was seen by hundreds of people. Paul goes on to say, This is the victory that we have over sin, over death, and over the grave. We're talking about the reality of the resurrection. Resurrection Sunday coming up. And we're asking you this question. What does the resurrection mean to you? Send us an email, talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Let's talk about the reality of the resurrection. And with us now to talk about it is our special guest, Dr. Michael Youssef. He is pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia. Has a tremendous broadcast called Leading the Way. He's just written a book called 15 Secrets to a Wonderful Life, Mastering the Art of Positive Living. Dr. Yusuf, welcome to the program. I'm so glad to be with you, Dr. Johnson. We are celebrating the reality of the resurrection. We're going to talk about your book in a minute, but uh, I noticed you just wrote an article, Dr. Yusuf, called Why Are They Offended by the Cross? I thought it was a very interesting piece, and I remember that Dr. Barnhouse used to say, that we look at the cross through the empty tomb. And I'm wondering if you could relate how the, how the grave, how the empty tomb of Jesus Christ right. really affects how we understand his death, that is, the cross. Well, the reality is that the cross and the empty tomb are like two sides of the same coin. Mm. If you ever split a coin in the middle, it ceases to be legal tender. Mm. So the crucifixion and the resurrection stand together or fall together. Because if Christ was not raised from the dead, as you already quoted the Apostle Paul, then our faith is in vain. Mm. Uh, Because if it's just a crucifixion, as so many of my liberal friends uh, would say, um, then we are really the most miserable people because we're just worshipping a dead hero or a martyr. Uh, There are some people who were martyred uh, for the sake of Christ. Uh, on, a, on a cross, but uh, he's more than that. The reason he is the Redeemer is because that he uh, died on the cross, but then he rose again. So by his death, he assures us of salvation, and by his resurrection, he assures us of our own resurrection and eternal life with him. Mm. Dr. Yusuf, uh, I'm thinking of that passage in Acts 1, I believe it's verse 3, where Luke says, you know, he presented himself alive after his suffering, by many infallible proofs. I think we're in an age of skepticism and naturalism out there today. There are a lot of people that think, well, the resurrection, particularly the bodily resurrection, is a myth, uh, a legend. Um, Could you talk about some of the historical evidences for the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Sure. As I, I used to, you know, I used to belong to a mainline denomination when I, before I left 16 years ago. And that particular denomination, it says that 70% of the clergy do not believe in the resurrection. Wow. And I remember having so many <laughs> discussions and debates with my colleagues at the time. 
And, uh, and they say, oh, the crucifixion, oh, yeah, absolutely, yes, that's, and, but not the resurrection. I say, mm. why? It's the same eyewitness account who gave us the account of the, uh, the crucifixion that gave us the account mm. of the resurrection. What are you doing is you're picking and choosing. When they say, well, you know, death is common experience, but the resurrection is not. I said, so you are basically saying God is incapable of performing a supernatural act of rising from the dead. I mean, that's what you're saying. And that's really the problem with most of the folks. But in this postmodern era, uh, you know, in the old days, at least people debated and they fought over the evidence and this and that. And when they come face-to-face with the evidence, they accept it. They believe that so many people have, were, in a, from a skeptical point of view, wrote books and said, now I believe. Malcolm Muggeridge is an example of mm-hmm. that. He was an atheist. And, and then the resurrection of Christ, really, the evidence brought him full circle to Christ and became an apologist for Christ. But today in this postmodern era, well, you know, it's okay, yeah, did Jesus rise from that? Yeah, so what? That's kind of the attitude. If that's how you believe, or you want to believe, that's okay. I have no problem with that. <laughs> that's really more difficult than the rigorous debate with those who are actually skeptical. And we're coming into that age where uh, you, you can give them all the evidence you want, and they said, well, you don't have to give me evidence. It's fine by me. But what does that mean? It means that I am not going to conf- be confronted by the resurrected Christ. I don't want him to confront my sin. I don't want him to... Uh, let me assure me that I'm a sinner and I'm heading for hell if I don't repent and turn to him and receive his payment on the cross to be for me and that he rose again so that I may live for him forever. That I'll just say, well, that's okay for you. And it doesn't, I don't have to accept it. And I think this is a new day for us as we uh, proclaim the gospel to this postmodern, uh, in this postmodern era. Uh, Dr. Youssef, before we get to the book, I've got to ask one more question. I love the name of your church, the Church of the Apostles, and I'm thinking about the apostolic preaching in the book of Acts. It seems to me they certainly emphasized the resurrection in almost every sermon in the book of Acts. What do you make of that? Uh, absolutely. You see, I mean, they can't. We, we, our faith is in vain without the resurrection. Um, and, and therefore, they, they saw that, they understood that, and of course, they were confronted with the living Christ. I mean, Paul says, you know, he appeared to Peter and uh, James, and then he appeared to 500 people. And then he said, of course, the abnormally born, he appeared to me, and uh, he had a confrontation on the road to Damascus with the living Christ, with the risen Christ, face to face. And with that confrontation, with that encounter, Paul, of course, became, well, Saul of Tarsus became the great apostle Paul. So without the resurrection, we don't have a message. Uh, might as well just shut those churches or sell them and turn them into mosques, as they're doing in Europe, and, and, and close the doors, which, which they have done in Europe. And I pray to God that we would be much more uh, discerning and that we would be more tenacious in our upholding of the truth and the faith of the resurrection, that we would never go that way. Our guest is Dr. Michael Youssef. He's pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. He's host of Leading the Way uh, Television and Radio Ministries. And uh, Dr. Youssef, you've got this new book out, uh, 15 Secrets to a Wonderful Life, Mastering the Art of Positive Living. And speaking of the resurrection, I mean, it seems to me that ought to inform our living if we are to live a victorious Christian life, oughtn't it? Oh, absolutely, Penna. And and, and, you know, I referred to uh, Malcolm Muggeridge uh, mm-hmm. earlier. He was an atheist, uh, a British journalist. Uh, I'm sure you, uh, you, you're familiar with him. St. Mug. And he was writing an article for his uh, British newspaper 
uh, about the, the virtues of communism and, and atheism and, and, and the decay of religion. And he finished interviewing all the criminal leaders, and one day he said, well, I better show up in an Orthodox church just to see what's going on. It happened to be Easter Sunday. And as the priest came out and shouted, he is risen, and then he saw the joy on the faces of those people who were so severely persecuted, saying, he is risen indeed. And then he began to say, he's risen indeed, he's risen indeed. And he saw that joy, he said, I was, that, he said, that tipped the scale of my soul toward Christ. And I think what people are looking for, the authenticity of the power of the resurrection lived in the lives of the believers. The saddest thing for me, and I gave the keynote address to the NRB last year, and I said, the, the, the one thing I, I feel like, Jeremiah, that I want to weep day and night over what's happened to the Church of Jesus Christ, that the Christians are living exactly like the non-Christians, and the power of the resurrection is doing nothing to make us look different, live differently, act differently, behave differently, and literally uh, express our, our views with joy and with excitement of the power of the resurrection. We should be the most joyous people in the face of the earth. Instead, we get so entangled and, and with, with the minutiae of life and become just like everybody else. Dr. Yusuf, we so appreciate you joining us today. Uh, uh, the book is uh, 15 Secrets to a Wonderful Life, and I think uh, it's interesting as we look at uh, this whole idea of positive thinking. You're all about positive living and how Christ can help you do that. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Penna. Thank you. All right. That's Dr. Michael Yusuf. He is pastor of the Church of the Apostles, a tremendous speaker if you've heard this man preach on television or radio. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn Dexter, and we're asking you to share with us your thoughts on the reality of the resurrection. Again, the email, talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. What does the resurrection mean to you? What does it mean to you in your Christian life? Again, the email, talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, when we come back, we have a very special guest. He's based out of Cambridge University, leading New Testament scholar, Dr. Richard Baucom. And he's going to talk to us about evidences for the resurrection in the New Testament documents. A leading British scholar on the New Testament to talk about the reality of the resurrection. Also, have you heard of the emergent church movement? What do you make of this? Is this Christianity? Is this Christianity light? Is this Christianity old and ancient? Is it a mix? Is it a third way? Not conservative, not liberal, something else. Well, we're going to talk about one of the leaders will be with us at the half hour. Don't miss it. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
Romans 1.4 says, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. That is, the way that God marked out Jesus as the Son of God. Paul uses the word horizo, just as we mark out a new day on the horizon by the rising of the sun, so God marks out Jesus Christ as His Son by raising Him from the dead. We're talking this week, of course, about the resurrection. It is central to the Christian faith. Of course, we believe in the cross. Of course, we believe in the blood. Of course, we believe in the atonement. But that's not the end of the story. It continues. Three days later, Jesus Christ rose victorious over sin, over death, over the devil, over the grave. He was raised from the dead bodily, miraculously. And we're asking you to email us. What does the resurrection mean to you? Talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. That's the email. Talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. And now let's talk about the reality of the resurrection. My guest is Dr. Richard Balkum. He has served for the past 15 years as the professor of New Testament at St. Andrews in Scotland. He is now based at Cambridge University, Ridley Hall. He's published extensively on eschatology and prophetic issues, but also written a good bit about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Dr. Balcom, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Dr. Balcom, um, we're talking about the resurrection because we're thinking about Easter coming up. And um, we're evangelicals in America. I come from the Baptist tradition. We've emphasized a lot the cross, the blood of Christ, the atonement, and I think that's all good, but I'm wondering if this is a week for us to remember that the early church seemed to preach the resurrection, particularly in the book of Acts. I'd like for you to speak about the importance of the resurrection for the Christian faith. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, for a start, it's worth remembering, isn't it, there wouldn't have been any Christian faith at all. Uh, without the resurrection. That's good. And as you say, uh, the resurrection was obviously really prominent. I mean, when when Paul preaches in Athens, you know, the point they pick up because they can't believe it is the resurrection. And a great deal of the time when Paul talks about the cross, he actually also talks about the resurrection at the same time. So I think, I mean, the the resurrection is, you know, one of the most important events of history. So uh, it obviously has a very wide-ranging significance. At one level, of course, it is, as it were, God's vindication of Jesus as the Messiah. Had Jesus simply died, then his Jewish contemporaries would have concluded he was simply a failed Messiah, a messianic pretender who got it wrong. Um, The resurrection was God's word of vindication to Jesus virtually saying this is my Messiah. And that's what Peter says on the day of Pentecost, essentially, in Acts 2. The resurrection, of course, was the guarantee that Jesus is alive now, Mm. which is pervasive in the New Testament. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you cannot, I think, be a a Christian without not only this um, very important memory of what Jesus did on earth, but also the sense that Jesus is reigning from the throne of God in heaven New Testament commonly says, and active in the world now and in real relationship with his people now. So the the risen, ascended Lord um, is central to the New Testament portrayal of of Christ and Christian faith. And perhaps finally, 
we must also remember that in a sense, in his resurrection, Jesus models the destiny of all of us. He's raised so that we can be raised with him, so that our destiny too is to be raised into the kind of resurrection life that Jesus now has with God. And I think from that point of view, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is so important because um, that indicates that our resurrection also is going to be bodily rather than just some kind of spiritual um, resurrection because that's how it happened to Jesus. My guest is Dr. Richard Balkum. He has been teaching for the last 15 years at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. He's now based at Ridley Hall, Cambridge in the UK. Dr. Balkum, I know you're speaking um, this week on eyewitnesses to Jesus, really in the Gospel of Mark. And we think about the theme of resurrection. We're in a, a skeptical milieu, a skeptical culture, particularly when it comes to the supernatural in the Bible. Would you just review evidences for the resurrection. I don't know another way to say it, but uh, what would be the best case to make today for the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually happening in time and space? I think there is good reason to regard the gospel accounts of the empty tomb and the resurrection appearances of Jesus to the disciples as really closely based on the testimony of those people who experienced them. So, for example, I'm quite sure that the stories of the women disciples of Jesus visiting the tomb and finding it empty uh, were based on those women's own uh, telling of their story. Because although the Gospels are written, you know, some time after the events, all of those people who experienced those things would have been around in the early churches. They didn't just sort of disappear at the point of Jesus' resurrection or something. They were around, they were telling their own stories all the time. It's a very interesting bit in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, where he, he lists the resurrection appearances, and he says on one occasion, it's an occasion we don't know about in the Gospels, 500 people saw Jesus, many of whom, he says, are still alive. And why does he say that? He means, if you don't believe me, go and check it out with these people mm. that loads of them still around. Um, so there were, there were actually hundreds of witnesses of the resurrection in some shape or form uh, around in the early Christian movement with whom people could check these things and hear their stories. Um, and so we obviously have accounts that have come from a whole variety of witnesses um, who are testifying to the same thing. So we have, as it were, multiple attestation from many different sources. My guest is Dr. Richard Balkum. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking about the resurrection. Dr. Balkum, I'd like to close out uh, this thinking about Easter week, Holy Week. Uh, what does the resurrection mean to you personally as a Christian as you think about faith and uh, the way you pray and the way you live? What is the practical message of the resurrection for your own Christian life? I think a, a good part of it is hope, that the resurrection tells us that God really has has won the victory over evil. He suffered the cross, he entered into all the evils of the world that we experience, but he also overcame them in the resurrection. And that is, I think, the promise for the future, for our own future as people who will be raised with Christ, for the future of the world. Because I think, again, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is so important because it's our bodies that make us part of this material world. So that the hope we have is not for another world somewhere in which we will survive in some purely spiritual way, but a hope in solidarity with the whole of God's world, which will all be brought into a new creation 
So I think it affects one's outlook on the whole world. We can view it with hope in the light of what God has already achieved in the resurrection and thereby God promises for all of us and the whole of creation. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard Balkum, for being with us. We look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. All right, folks, we've been talking about the reality of the resurrection. Great to hear Dr. Richard Balkum. We want to hear from you, though. The email is talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. We're asking you personally, what does the resurrection mean to you? Penna, we've gotten some emails. Uh, let's uh, see. What do our listeners have to say? Well, here's one from Bob, and he says, I've turned on your uh, program for the first time yesterday. I'll probably become a regular listener. Great. You asked, what does Christ's resurrection mean to me? It means comfort. It gives me assurance that Jesus was who he said he was, divine God in the flesh. He goes on and has a lot more uh, questions for our guest yesterday. Uh, And then another one, Todd, says, Christ's resurrection means my future is set. It's that one great historic event that assures my salvation and eternity in heaven. Had the resurrection not happened, our lives are empty. It would be like trying to survey this world without a comfort, uh, mm. compass. And then one more. This is a really long one, uh, and it's from, and I don't even have the name here, Barbara. Uh, but I'll just read a little uh, sentence out of it. Uh, she says, true to his predictions hundreds of years ago in the writings of David and the prophets, as well as uh, the past week to the disciples, on the third day he arose from the grave. The worst mankind could do to him was no match for the good he could do for us. All right. Those are great emails. We're asking you, what does the resurrection mean to you? The email is talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. This is a chance to give your witness to Christ, a witness to the resurrection, what it means to you. What do the New Testament writers think? Well, here's the Apostle Paul. He said in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So Paul believed that the resurrection of Jesus was the basis for our resurrection and the return of those who've previously died in Christ uh, with Jesus when he comes again. Also, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4.14, knowing that he which raised Jesus, the Lord Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Paul very clearly saying that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection and our reappearance with Jesus. You know, Penn, I've often said at the gravesite, when I do gravesites as a pastor, not only is Jesus coming again, this person is coming again. Because that's what Paul taught, that when Christ returns, he will bring those who've died in him, with him, raised in that resurrection body. That's a tremendous truth, the reality of the resurrection. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the emergent church. And we're going to be talking with Tony Jones. He's written a book, The New Christians, Dispatches from the Emergent Frontier. Is this a third way? Not conservative, not liberal, but in the middle? Is it a compromise? Is it vital? Is it a return to New Testament Christianity? Let's try to sort it out. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. 
On this day in 2003, the United States began Operation Iraqi Freedom. All right, President Bush today marking the fifth anniversary of war in Iraq, and he is staying uh, by the stuff, sticking to his guns, that it was the right thing to do, and he's going to see it through until we have victory. Of course, Hillary Clinton campaigning for president uh, strikes another tone. As we mark the fifth anniversary of George Bush's preemptive war that he waged, I have been outlining plans as to what we can and must do to begin bringing our sons and daughters home. Of course, Barack Obama has been reminding everyone that Mrs. Clinton also voted for that action Mm -hmm. in Iraq. We'll stay on top of this story. Well, uh, Dr. Johnson, our next guest uh, says that Christianity is a dynamic faith that changes in each generation. The emergent phenomenon is a reaction to the bureaucratic institutional dogmatic crust that has grown over the Christian gospel. Uh, With us is Tony Jones. He is the national coordinator for the Emergent Village, which is the nonprofit organization that acts as a clearinghouse for the Emergent Church. Uh, This is a new phenomenon. We need to talk about it. He is a doctoral fellow uh, in practical theology at Princeton uh, Theological Seminary. And uh, Dr. Jones, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, uh, some people say that there is a difference between the emerging church and the emergent church. Is there a difference, and what is it? Well, some people are trying to draw lines already. It's it's amazing to me how quickly we draw lines uh, as Protestant Christians. Uh, ever since you know Martin Luther uh, attempted to reform the Catholic Church and was. Uh, summarily excommunicated, we've been uh, drawing lines between one another ever since. So is there a difference between these two? Well, I find it troubling. I don't don't really think there is much of one. Maybe there's a spectrum, but it would be hard to draw a line at a particular place. It's a pretty inside baseball kind of conversation to, to, to speculate on where who's emerging and who's emerging. Okay. Well, we don't want to get into too uh, much of inside yeah. baseball, but what is the emergent church? Could you define that for us? Well, it's, it, it's, it's also a bit tricky to define. It's why, it's why I wrote the book, The New Christians, to help people get a little bit better grasp of what really is, um, uh, you know, as you said in your intro, a new phenomenon. It's, it's, it's new on the landscape. And what it, I guess one way to describe it would be to say that we, we live in a rapidly changing society. We're, we're confronted with things like a globalized economy, um, electronic communication that has dramatically changed the way we live our lives just in the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, as the Church has always done, uh, the Church uh, does change to uh, confront the issues of the day. And that's what the emergent Church is, the same way you might say the Seeker Movement was uh, an attempt to kind of get the the baby boomers back into church in the 80s and the way that the Jesus movement was a Christian reaction to the hippie movement. And, you know, we could just keep tracing back from there for 2,000 years. Tony Jones is with us. We're talking about the emergent church. Uh, And I noticed in your book that you say there are problems in the evangelical church and the uh, emergent movement seeks to address those. So could you just give us two or three of those problems? Yeah, um, the the what I say in the book uh, that happened is there was a great uh, a movement of God in the 16th century. Martin Luther and John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli and the Anabaptists and and as you said in your intro, I kind of used this metaphor of the the gospel is like lava and it and it busted through the crusts of 
the Catholic magisterium the, and, and the ways that uh, the, the gospel had kind of been crusted over by oh corrupt practices like the indulgences and things like that. Moving back more toward biblical truth. Well, yeah, that it, surely it, that's part. That was part of what Luther was trying to do. He kind of was trying to shake shake the church by the shoulders and say, "Hey, you're you're missing the point of the gospel." Uh, in some ways, I think the emergent uh, movement comes out of a, a real frustration among a lot of younger people who feel like the church is, again, kind of missing the point of the gospel and that how we confront, uh, you know, this pluralized, globalized world uh, demands um, us to, like you might say, get back to, I, I would say, actually push forward into biblical truth. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We're talking to Tony Jones. He's written the book, The New Christians, Dispatches from the Emergent Frontier. Tony, we're so glad you're with us. Let's get to some of these dispatches, and I want to ask some follow-up questions. Dispatch number one, emergents find a little importance in the differences between the various flavors of Christianity. Instead, they practice a generous orthodoxy that appreciates the contributions of all Christian movements. Here's my question for you, Tony, about that dispatch. You've mentioned we Protestants. I've heard you talking about Luther and we Protestants. Uh, when you when you say in this dispatch number one uh, that uh, there's this generous orthodoxy um, and um, there's little importance in the differences of the various flavors of Christianity, uh, do you include Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy and so forth in in that category of Christian movement? Here's my question: For yes, instance, sir. was Luther right, uh, or today would how, how would you feel about the Catholic notion of Mary as co-redeemer, co-mediator with Christ? Do you think the the Reformation um, uh, emphasis is was right to draw that line in the sand, or uh, do you think um, the emergent church would say, no, that's really not uh, that important to distinguish between that, Protestants and Catholics? No, that's a fine, that's a fine point, Jerry. I, I would say that, in, in, interestingly, even in the last few years, uh, there's been mo- movements within Catholicism, you know, major position papers being written and signed by many Catholic uh, theologians who have said, you know what, Luther was right um, there uh, about being saved by grace, we're not saved by works, we're not saved by sacraments, we're saved by grace. And then they go on to say, of course, that the sacraments are means of grace that God right. uses, the Holy Spirit uses in the Church. I, um, no, I, I'm with you. I, I think that Luther was right to draw a line in the sand that Christ alone uh, saves us. But that doesn't mean that emergence wouldn't say there's a lot about Catholicism that we find uh, uh, meritorious, that we might say there's great practices of prayer, there's practices of liturgy, and there's great theology in the history of the Catholic Church, and we should embrace those. But to embrace uh, parts of Catholicism, or to say we really appreciate the truth in Catholicism, doesn't mean you're taking the thing hook, line, and sinker, just like you and I might have a conversation about, do you believe in predestination or free will? Right, and I right. would think that somebody who and, and I find with emergence, if there's an emergent person who says, well, I'm really more with Calvin on the predestination thing, instead of that being the end of the conversation, right. they'll say, but you know what, I really can see the validity 
of the Methodist or, or Wesleyan position on free will as well. Well, that's a, uh, that leads really to the next question. I want to look at dispatch number seven. Emergence believe that an envelope of friendship and reconciliation must surround all debate about doctrine and dogma. And I guess I want to relate that also to Dispatch 13th. Emergence believe that truth like God cannot be definitely articulated by finite human beings. Here's my question for you, Tony. Um, you know, Paul said, if any man preach another gospel, let him be accursed. And so I guess here's my question. When it gets to things like the Apostles' Creed, or actually Scripture, which is God's Word written, do you believe that there are some irreducible minimum formulations of doctrine um, uh, to depart from, you know, um, could could we say we want reconciliation on those points or friendly discussion? Uh, would Paul have done that? Well, I think Paul made it clear uh, to the Corinthians that we have, uh, because of the work that Christ did on the cross, we have been given a gospel of reconciliation, that God it was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and then that we've been given this gospel of reconciliation. We're therefore ambassadors of this yes. gospel. And I would say that for us, in order to be ambassadors of a gospel of reconciliation, we must have reconciliation as the top item in our yes, agenda yes, for the world. Surely. In that our job is to, is to bring reconciliation between God and human beings to everyone. And that's a general missionary or evangelistic task, I would assume, with all lost folks and po- folks that are seeking and, um, you know, people that have never heard. But sure, I guess I'm putting the people... question to, to really false teaching and heretics Paul said, how do you match that with what Paul said in Galatians about the other gospel, which is no gospel, and that that teacher should be accursed? Well, it's just not been my experience that in churches um, that I visit, churches that I um, preach in, emergent churches, that that anybody's on a fast road to any kind of heresy because they're committed to a gospel of reconciliation. I I have not found people going soft on doctrine because they say that we're open to conversing about doctrine. What I hear people saying instead is, um, we're really glad that Augustine uh, so clearly formulated the doctrine of the Trinity. That was an excellent movement of God in the 5th century. How we can be faithful is by doing the same thing that Augustine did, articulating doctrines that... Uh, confront us in our day and age. That's how Augustine was faithful, was by doing theology, writing about theology, arguing about theology with the Pelagians of his day, right? And, and our job is to continue having conversations about theology, especially in the Church, not to say, uh, hey, that was decided 1,500 years ago. That That's off the table. We don't talk about that anymore. Tony, we're out of time. We've got a break here. All right, sure. Tony Jones will be right back to talk about the Emergent Church. Do you have a question? The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Get in on this conversation. When we come back, Emergent start new churches to save their own faith, their own faith, not necessarily to make new converts. What do you think of that? We'll ask Tony Jones when we come back.
If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. What is the emergent church? What do you think about this? Our guest is Tony Jones. He's written the book, The New Christians, Dispatches from the Emergent Frontier, Tony, you're going to be in Dallas, I think, tomorrow promoting your book. Tell us about that book signing. Yeah, Jerry, I'm going to be at the Barnes & Noble the, in Lincoln Park, and I'll be uh, doing a reading from the book at 7 p.m., and, and I will uh, take Q&A there, too, if any of your listeners want to come and, you know, grill me on the Emergent Church. Be happy to answer. All right, that's in Arlington, not far from our KCBI Dallas uh, metro area. Hey, we've got a caller on the line for uh, Tony Matthew from Louisville. You've got a question? Shoot. Is this Matthew and Louisville you're asking? Yeah, what's your question? Oh, hey, cool. I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, hi there. Uh, my question's about the tenant about the generous orthodoxy. Um, I, I, I have quite a lot of experience with the emergent church here in the DFW area, and I'm just curious how the integration of the practices of the mystics that I've seen, you know, monks who practiced the syncretism of Buddhism and Christianity in the early 12th to the 14th century, and including the modern practitioners like Thomas Merton, Richard Foster, Tilden Edwards, Brian McLaren, and folks like that. How do you reconcile that with Paul's exhortation to Timothy for sound teaching, or even Jesus' exhortation in Matthew not to pray with vain repetitions? All right. Thank you, Matthew. We'll let uh, Tony answer that. You can listen on the air. Tony, what do you think of that question? Well, Jerry, uh, you know, when I think when Jesus uh, reminded, uh, told the disciples not to pray with vain repetition, I think it was, it was the vanity of the Pharisees that, uh, that Jesus was... Uh, was against. It, it wasn't the prayer, and it wasn't necessarily repetitive prayer. Uh, I, you know, that was a broad question. I don't think that the, the, the Christian mystics of the 12th through 14th century were not practicing Buddhism. They were practicing a particular uh, iteration of Christianity that was very popular at the time. And I know some of the authors, I mean, I know Brian McLaren, he, he's not a Buddhist, he doesn't practice Buddhism, but I think there are people uh, who, Thomas Merton was one of them, who would say that, uh, and I don't necessarily hold this position, but the way Merton would say it is, Buddhism is not a religion, it's a life philosophy, and therefore, like, you can be a, a Platonist and a Christian. You could be... Uh, you can know, you be a Platonist, a, a true Platonist and a Christian? Well, I don't think, I actually think Platonism is what where Christianity went wrong, you know, is that we were way too, Christi- Western Christianity was way too Platonic, um, in, in the early days, and I think a lot of us can, I, I think a lot of the churches still... Do you think Paul's, for instance, do you think when Paul talked about 
the intermediate state. Do you think he, that was uh, from uh, Neoplatonism, or do you think he 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 got that from the Lord? Jerry, it, you know, I'm not I'm not a New Testament. That's not my field of a- actual expertise. But it does seem to me that Paul was versed in Platonism, and it surely was the dominant... Oh, Tony, I can't believe you'd say that. (laughs) I'm sure you can't, but it was the dominant philosophy of his day. I know, I can say with confidence that Augustine was, coming out of Neoplatonism, and the struggles he had with a God who would become human and walk around on the earth, which I fully, you know, listen, I fully embrace the divinity and humanity of Christ. It was a real struggle for a Neoplatonist like Augustine, and he, he really wrestled with that. You can read it throughout his theological career. Tony, this question may seem like it's coming out of left field in a sense, but I've just written an article about Oprah, Oprah Winfrey and how her uh, philosophies and the people she brings to her microphone can be dangerous to people's yeah. faith if Christians, uh, if Christians buy into that. Uh, what is your uh, thoughts on Oprah and some of these folks uh, like Eckhart Tolle, yeah, who she's yeah. uh, who she's now uh, basically elevated, yeah, and right. the Course in Miracles. Some of these other uh, areas that uh, that claim to take parts of Christianity, right? Uh, seems like kind of like that's what the emergent church well, is doing. Other, oh well, that's not what emergent is doing. I mean, other. Uh, I, I have two thoughts. One is that, of course, I struggle with envy as an author <laughs> that those people get on Oprah and get to sell that many books, especially because I so thoroughly and wholeheartedly disagree. It does seem to me um, that that is uh, a kind of re, uh, retread of good old New Age uh, uh, religion, which you know we've all lived through in the last 20 or 30 years. And you're not concerned that that's going to be drawn into this emergent uh, not movement? Not at all, and here's why. Because in emergent, what you find is a much more Hebraic Christianity, a much, much more of what you see, I think, in the New Testament with Paul, Jerry, I think you see this with Paul, and I think you particularly see it in the Gospels and, and the other uh, New Testament writers, and that's a very earthy Christianity. What, what those New Age people often reject is the idea... Is it even that, Christianity? That, well, of course it's not. These people, re- what they reject most often about Christianity is that Jesus was a God in human form, that God, Jesus walked around on the planet, that Jesus spoke to people, had a particular eye color, had lice in his hair, you know. That's, that's how earthy the truth of Christianity is. And any kind of New Age religion that, that tries to make God a purely spirit being, when we know from the Old Testament, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden. Hey, garth, Tony, we're almost out of time. Moses, you know? I, I want to segue from that because we're almost out of time. Last yes, question. We've yes. been asking people this week, what the resurrection means to them. You've been talking about the physical nature here of uh, Christianity and biblical faith. Uh, Talk to us just for a moment about what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means to you. Jerry, the resurrection to me is is the complete fulfillment of Jesus' humanity and divinity because it shows a great promise for us, those of us who struggle around this earth in relationships, in life, we we have pain. We know that we have a Savior who was really, really tempted, who really suffered, who cried when his friends died, who ultimately suffered physical, extraordinary pain on the cross. And that was all redeemed uh, on Easter morning 
when God raised him from the dead. All right. Thank you, Tony. Tony Jones, he's written the book, The New Christians. You'll be in town tomorrow for a book signing. Tony, we hope to have you back sometime. Thanks, Jerry. I'd love to. All right. Well, I'm so glad to hear Tony affirm the deity, the humanity of Christ, the reality of the resurrection. Uh, I do have disagreements with Tony about uh, the inspiration of Holy Scripture, and particularly uh, Paul writing about the intermediate state. Uh, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. It's very common for people to say, look, he got that from Plato, not from God. But I think everything Paul wrote in the New Testament, he got from God. And that is a um, that is necessary if you believe in verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. Well, tomorrow we are going to be talking to David Bossy former lead investigator of the White House Whitewater scandal on why Hillary Clinton should not be president. That ought to be interesting. And then the reality of the resurrection. Professor Daniel Street, professor of New Testament Greek here at Criswell College, will be talking about the resurrection. Also, Joel Rosenberg will be talking about his latest book, Dead Heat. It's about the Mideast crisis and eschatology, end times prophecy. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He does have power over sin, over death, over the grave, over the devil. And you need to begin celebrating Resurrection Sunday right now. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.